Hello, and welcome to Faith, Fathers, and Families, where the focus of this family ministry is restoring a foundation of biblical truth and reclaiming biblical foundations for our lives. You can visit us on the web at www.faithfathersfamilies.org, where you can learn more about our ministry, send us a prayer request, or hear past recorded messages. And now, a biblical message from Joshua Hernandez, founder of Faith Fathers Families. Hello, welcome to Faith Fathers Families. My name is Joshua and I'm your host. Today we're going to be talking about complete dependence on God and what that looks like. I'm a father to four boys. They're all very different in personality and character. I thank God for that. And I remember when the youngest, currently four, was a baby. And every night he would just thrash in my arms as I tried to put him to sleep. It did not matter what you said, what you sung, uh, or did. This kid was a thrasher, and until he was ready to give in, he was not, quote, put down very slowly in the crib, unquote, material. I remember one particular evening as the sun lay across the fading horizon and a coveted quietness fell over our home. It was time to put the kid to bed. Luckily for my wife and I, the other boys were older and did not have this issue. Mentally preparing myself for the deed, I scoop up the little guy and make for the room. Now this kid, he knew what was coming, even at six months old. His bottom lip would start to quiver, and then his eyes would well up into tear-draining factories. By the time he made it to the room, he was audibly making his case in staunch disagreement to this supposed necessary feat called sleep. The next 20 to 30 minutes, an easy quick night of course, would involve thrashing, singing, swaying, and placing, pacing a rut in the floor from the aimless walking required to soothe him. He was not like this all the time, in fact very rarely, but when he was, oh man, everyone knew it. Now, As he grew older, we came to realize that he was like this because he is a very particular child, knowing what he wanted and how he wanted it, splitting no hairs and making no bones about it. As a baby, though, his only way of voicing stuff like, Dad, please quit singing, it's killing me, was to cry out and thrash around. Anyway, this one night, as he was thrashing about and fussing, my heart was touched by the Lord. I immediately saw my child, uh, myself, thrashing in the arms of my Father in heaven. A sweet calm swept over me, and I understood in that moment what patience with a wayward child actually looks like. There was no agitation, no frustration, no, oh, please just go to sleep. Quite simply, there was love. Love for a child in my image who, if only he would give up and rest in my arms, would be at peace. My point is not to draw attention to my child, nor myself, but to exemplify how this moment is one we experience every day in our lives. How much of our time on earth do we spend thrashing and fussing in the Father's arms as he continually shows us patience? Let's turn to the creation account to amplify this concept. Now, reading through the creation account in Genesis, we can't help but see how dependent we are upon our Creator. He created the universe, the earth, the sea, the water, the land, everything that is in it. Literally everything we need to survive. 
was created and given to us by our Holy Creator. But that was not enough. After choosing ourselves and sinning against the Holy God, we still depended upon Him to be sustained. Without His governing rule of physics or universal law, nothing as we know it could exist. The sun provides warmth for the earth so that things grow, vegetation, trees, um, gives us light dur during the day. Oxygen enables us to breathe, and all that we need to nourish our bodies can be grown in the very ground that we live on, that we were taken from. Think about that. The best stuff that is healthiest for our bodies grows out of the ground we were made out of. Yet we continue to thrash in his arms, letting our sinful flesh dictate our desires and servitude to the Creator, or rather, lack of servitude. So looking at one verse in particular in the creation account, we're going to try to acknowledge uh, and see how it represents or, or explains our complete dependence on God. And then uh, after that, I'll kind of share how we can affirm it. Uh, so Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 says, Then the Lord God formed man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. So looking at this verse, I simply wish to point out just three things. Hopefully they will be edifying and exalt God the Father through Jesus Christ. So one, God in creating us was an act of grace. Now grace is rightly defined as the free and unmerited favor of God as manifested in the salvation of sinners and the bestowal of blessings. I'll say that again. Grace is defined as the free and unmerited favor of God as manifested in the salvation of sinners and the bestowal of blessings. God did not have to create us, but he did. Even so, he created us in his image. We bear the image of God. Let that sink in for a minute. Think about all the blessings God allows us to experience in this life. Can you name any? I hope so. Marriage, children, relationships, joy, happiness, and love. Think about the beauty of a crisp, color-filled sunset on a cool summer evening. Each color strewn about the soft blue skies if God himself, in an anthropomorphic way, painted it with a brush. Think about the joy and peace that come with placing our complete trust in the Lord. Think about the freedom we have to worship our holy God. Think of the grace he gave us in his son, Jesus Christ, who died for us so that we, the sinner, could be reconciled back to God despite our sin and disobedience against him. God created everything perfect. He gave us his best, and we threw it away for subpar, diluted self-autonomy. God in creating us was an act of grace. Number two, God in creating us was an act of love. All through chapter one of Genesis, we see God use a declarative pronouncement to create. So what we see is verse one three, then God said, then God said in verse one six, one nine, then God said, one eleven, then God said, one fourteen, then God said, one twenty, then God said, one twenty-four, then God said. So each of these verses shows a uh, creative declaration 
And the Hebrew word used literally means to bring forth. This is what we call um, God created ex nihilo, out of nothing, or define fiat. Fiat meaning uh, creation. So God brought forth each of these things on each of the days of creation uh, out of nothing. In our verse of interest, Genesis 2, verse 7, um, we see that the English word used is formed. The Hebrew meaning of this word gives the idea of a potter molding clay. Now here's where we see an act of love. You see, God moves from a declarative creation to a personal, hands-on formation of man and woman. It says God formed man. This act of creation carries with it an intimacy with God that after the sin curse, we have to fight just to experience. After God condescended to create us in his image, he breathes into us the very breath, his breath of life. And it says the man became a living being. The synopsis in the man's brain begin to fire. Thoughts begin to fill his mind. And he sees as God, his holy creator, for the first time. God spends the time to form us, to mold us in his likeness, then gives us life through his very breath. How fitting in a foreshadow, for he would one day give us life again by his very death in the person of Jesus Christ. We did not create ourselves, nor can we save ourselves. It was always God. It will always be God. For God in creating us was an act of love. Number three, God in creating us was an act of glory. See, glory is defined as high renown and honor, praise, worship, and thanksgiving offered, magnificence, or great beauty. We can capture a minuscule understanding in our finite brains of the glory of God by reading a couple of short verses. Psalm 19.1 says, the ESV um, translation, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 3, and one called out to the other and said, and speaking of the seraphim, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Here it is, the whole earth is full of his glory. If we consider for a moment God's glory in a creative sense, we can see how the heavens, the universe, the whole earth are, is filled with his glory. Everything God does is so awesome, beautiful, and morally perfect, we would never be able to offer praise worthy as he deserves all honor and renown. God manifests his glory in all his creation, and by creating us, he manifested his glory in, by inputting, inputting his image into us. No illustration I can think of will do this explanation justice. Therefore, simply put, in a creative sense, we are the glory of God. Now, in no way do I mean morally perfect, okay? Rather, in the sense that God created us just as he did with the world, the universe, and all that is in them. His glory is manifest everywhere, in the perfection of the seed as it sprouts as he commands it, in the physics of gravity and all other universal laws by which the world is governed by. Everything operates just as it should, just as he created it. 
Although the decay of curse and of the uh, of sin manifests rot, the creation still creams God's glory. We cannot but de be dependent upon God for every bit of sustenance. We must depend on God to uphold the laws of nature so that tomorrow we can expect the sun to be there, the moon, and gravity and oxygen. Uh, we can expect things that grow from the ground so we have food to eat. We must depend on God for the ability to see, hear, taste, touch, and smell, and the ability to love. We can only do those things because he gave us the ability to do them. All of this came from God in the act of creating. So how can we affirm this? We can acknowledge it, but acknowledging is not the same as affirming. Affirming means we actually uh, um, actively acknowledge it, partake in it in some way. So we look at uh, Romans 3.23. We first have to understand that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and the glory of God is moral perfection. Romans 6.23 reminds us what the wages are for our disobedience. For the wages of sin is death, but, and here it is, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, even in death we completely rely upon God to receive us in His Son. No sin can outweigh the grace of God. If you want to affirm what we know to be true, which is our complete dependence upon God, turn to Him, seek Him, and put your faith in Him. That's the only way we can affirm it. Thank you for joining us. This has been Complete Dependence on God with Faith Fathers Families. I'm Joshua, your host, and we'll see you next time.